But let, let's get on into the, the Heroes of Faith um, series that you guys have already been on. I'm just coming right in uh, into that series. So I'm going to start uh, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I am, I've been tasked with talking about Rahab the harlot. And Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read three passages in the same um, chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. I'm going to skip down to verse 6. And I'm going to skip down to verses 30 and 31. And so, um, yes, yeah, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not stuff. Him. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, and after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Father, thank you for your engrafted word that is able to save our soul. We pray that today as we articulate your word that the Holy Spirit would place it in the hearts of your people where there's a need, a great understanding of your purpose and plan for our lives individually and that the Holy Spirit would stir it up in all of us. We pray, God, you would send it with clarity, and I'm asking you, if you would, to break the spirit of distraction in our hearts and minds right now, that our hearts and minds would be focused right now, right here, not on the things at home, not on the troubles away, but on the word right now. We pray you bless it, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so today, I want to talk about faith, uh, as it pertains to Rahab the harlot. And so I will title the message, From Hooker to Holiness. <laughs> From Hooker to Holiness. Uh, that's, that's her plight. And it all has to do with faith. So when, when we think about faith, uh, faith is, is defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is something. What is it? It is the substance of things that are hoped for. That means it gives tangibility to things that are expected. There must be an expectation for the, uh, the, the, the object of faith or substance Faith brings tangibility to what I'm hoping for. Now, it, 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 it is evidence of what is not seen. And so faith is tangibility or brings tangible that thing which is not yet physically produced, not yet visible, not yet yet into full reality. Uh, and it's something that is expected, he says, or hoped for. Hope simply meaning expectation. And so faith brings my expectation into reality, even though it is not seen yet. That means that whatever my expectation is built on, my faith has grabbed a hold of it as if it is already present right now meaning that I can rejoice over something I don't even have yet. I can shout, I can dance, I can scream, I can run, I can cry, I can do a lot of things because my faith has locked into what I'm expecting. It's locked on it, and I know I'm not going to be disappointed. For it is the evidence of what is not seen. So basically you would say faith is the title deed to the expectation that I have. Now, now, there's one caveat. 
That expectation better be in something that's real. That expectation must be in something that's real, not just real, but something that is infallible, that, that cannot fail. And what we find is that as long as our expectation is in that book, as long as the expectation is rooted in the Word of God, you can expect it to happen just like the Word of God says, in spite of what it looks like, in spite of the fact that tomorrow at 2 o'clock I'm supposed to be evicted. I said, God said I'm not going to be evicted. I had a pastor friend of mine who had gotten behind on his rent. This is 35 years ago. Um, his wife was pregnant and had one child year, a year, less than a year old. And they knew the eviction was coming up. They had some situations going on. And he had to leave. He's from Washington, D.C., like I am. He had to go to South Carolina to preach. And they were like, well, the marshals will be here Monday. And they're going to evict us on Monday. And his wife said, you better go preach. And he was like, I'm going to go preach. So he went to preach. The marshals came on Monday to evict them. And back east, uh, the resident manager for the apartment has to be there. So the resident manager comes to the, to the apartment with the, the marshals. The marshal looked at Sister Kim and said, we're giving you another month. We're leaving. And they walked away. And when they came back, he had enough for two months' rent. And so the thing is, is that you better make sure you got a word from God. Yeah. <laughs> when you make certain decisions, you better make sure. Don't have faith in faith. You must have faith in the word of God. And so ultimately, it is infallible. And so faith is the substance of things for the evidence of things not seen. And so it is the title deed. It is the deed. When you own a home, you really don't own it until you get the deed. And many times that deed is not transferred to you until the mortgage is paid off. So in a certain sense, really, the mortgage company owns it until you, until you pay it off. But ultimately, when you get the deed, it's yours. And so faith is the deed. Faith, I got faith where I got a deed right now. I said, that's mine. That, that belongs to me because I'm claiming it based on God's word because it is infallible. And though it's not seen, I already have possession of it in my spirit. I've already possessed it. So I can jump and shout and dance because I know what's going to happen. I know because God's word said it. And, and, and that is what's important because if you go down to verse 6, he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. I mean, it don't matter what you do for God. You can feed the poor. You can go out and, and clothe the homeless. You can do all kind of good deeds. But ultimately, the only thing God is looking at is what's producing it. And if, what's, if faith is not producing it, you should have stayed home. In other words, whatever the scripture says, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so ultimately, faith is what God is always looking at. God is looking to see whether you believe in two things, which is really one thing. Do you believe in my word? The word you hear, do you believe it? What I'm saying, do you believe what I'm preaching? Do you believe what I'm saying to you? Do you really believe the word of God? Do you really believe? Then if you believe it, you ought to walk by it. If you believe it, you ought to act it out. Now, now and the other is, do you believe that that word talks about my son, whose name is Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he came to this earth, died for your sins, rose the third day, went back to heaven, and that he's coming back to set up a kingdom here on earth. Do you believe that? That's called the gospel. <laughs> and the gospel, the, the, Jesus Christ, when I said he's the word, the Bible said in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that same word in the beginning became the word alive on earth. Do you believe that? Yes. Now, 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 that's the prerequisite to please God. All the deeds that are done around the world in the name of God and Christ, if they're not motivated by faith, God is not pleased by them. And so that ultimate faith 
we're going to see will change your attitude about life. Now, when he says it is impossible, you know what that means? Not possible. <laughs> it's not possible <laughs> to please God without faith. And that word, when he says to please, comes from a Greek word that means to be acceptable. You cannot be acceptable to God without faith. And it also means the establishment of a positive relationship between two factors. The establishment of a positive relationship between two factors. In other words, the, the only way to have a positive relationship with God is those two factors are in common, which is belief in who he is. He says, and, and not just believe that he is, but that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going after Jesus. Now, in the pursuit of Jesus, I'm going to find a wife. I may find a job. I find a career. I may find provision, protection, power, purpose. But I'm actually seeking God because everything I need in life is wrapped up in him. That's why he says, diligently seek him. Sometimes people get messed up with faith, and they seek the stuff. They seek the things and forget about the one who made the things. Because really, we want to focus on the one who made the things. If I go after him, anything he made, he can give to me. And so the goal is to seek him. But look what he says. He says, he, first, he that comes to God must first believe that he is or that he exists. That phrase there, believe that he exists or he is, is translated or transliterated, if you will, from the Hebrew term, I am. When Moses came out of the mountain, he said, to, he asked God, God, who shall I say gave me the commandments? And he said, just tell them, I am. And it's like, whoa, that's heavy, I am. Just tell them that's my name, I am. Because when you ultimately think about faith and think about God, anything you can ask him to be, he can say, I am. At, Lord, are you my provider? I am. Are you are my healer? I am. Are you are my friend? I am. Are you are my life? I am. He is the great I am. That whatever you need him to be, he can say, I am. And so you got to first believe because whatever you need is wrapped up in him. I don't care what you go after in life. If you don't have him, you're going to be disappointed one way or <clears throat> another. And so faith is so important that God says you can't please me without it. You come to me, but if you don't come to me based on faith, then your coming to me is vanity. It is absolute vain. And then you prove your faith to me by doing what my word says. You prove your faith. So when we begin to look at that, we looked at some, some, some uh, people in faith, and as we thought about faith, you got to think about faith from this perspective, just philosophical, just for one second, is that, that faith deals with the invisible. And sometimes people are very, very uncomfortable with the invisible, uh, with, with darkness, with things you, you can't see. And so when you think about faith being connected to God, you, you can't help but recognize that, that God is not seen. He's not seen uh, because he's perfect. <laughs> and because he will always be perfect, he will never be seen. Now, y'all philosophers, chew on that for a second. Glory to God, just chew on that for a minute. And, and when you think about it, just faith from the, the, the perspective of comprehension, Probably the most comprehensive, one of the most comprehensive subjects you can think about or talk about is faith. Because there is a, not a more comprehensive subject in the world other than faith. Thank you, Jesus. When you really, when you think about it, it uh, deals with the whole circle of man's duties. For while faith has respect to everything God has spoken, it operates 
in everything that man does. It operates in everything that man does. And so, as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, that whole chapter is called the Hall of Fame of Faith, the Faith Hall of Fame. And so we find out in that particular passage in Hebrews 11 uh, about those people that, that had faith. And it kind of gives us an aspect of how, I guess, inexhaustible faith really is. And, and that uh, faith was the one principle by which all the saints that, that we read about were influenced. Everybody we read about in Hebrews 11, they were all influenced by faith. And in every distinct instance, its operation was so different. Faith to Enoch revealed itself different than Abraham. And faith was different with Cain or with, with um, uh, Enoch and others. This faith was different with Barak and Jephthah. It was a different exploration or expectation of what faith really was. And so in appearance, it was the same subject that was brought under examination, but it's presented to us in such different ways that it almost makes us assume that we're dealing with new characters. Ultimately, because it was, it's so vast that faith operated different ways. You look at it, one place it shows people being delivered, and then the other says they were not delivered, but they had the same faith. That some were cut in two, but that was the same faith that caused somebody else to receive their dead back to life. And so faith is not always a situation where everything has to be positive. Sometimes faith has to deal with negativity. But boy, when it's all said and done, whatever you deal with negative, it's always going to turn out good. He said, all things work together for the good for them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. And so ultimately, <clears throat> that's what faith is. And so now we come to look at our dear sister Rahab. When we look at Rahab, Rahab had the, was part of the oldest profession in the world. And that profession is prostitution. And so she had the name Rahab the harlot. She was known throughout Jericho, throughout other countries as Rahab the harlot. Because when people visited Jericho, she was the place to go. And so <clears throat> we find that Rahab uh, heard something. The, the Bible tells us in Romans that faith that we talk about, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. In other words, if you're ever really going to have faith, that faith is going to come because you hear something. You hear the word of God. The word of God is the only way you get faith. Notice it doesn't say faith coming by reading. Not that reading is bad. You have to read. But faith comes by hearing the word. Look what he says. This is deep. He sets us up to make sure we come to church. He said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here it is. And how can they hear without a preacher? How can they hear without somebody preaching to them? So there's people who say, I don't have to go to church to be saved. Yeah, you do. According to the Bible, that is. He said, how can they hear without a preacher? So faith comes by hearing the preached word. <laughs> Not by sitting home reading. It comes by hearing the preached word. So Rahab is in a situation <clears throat> where She's an Amorite. She is a resident of the city of Jericho. God had made a promise to Abraham that his seed would sit on the throne in eternity. They would make him the father of many nations. And so there will be a progression of how this would come to pass eventually. And it would go from generation to generation to generation. And so there was Abraham, then there was Isaac, and there was Jacob, and then the whole line goes on till we find the ultimate end of that seed, which was Jesus Christ. And so in that, God's people begin to have conquests. They begin to take territory to get what we call to the promised land. In order for them to get from where they started to the promised land, they had to have conquests and take over land. <clears throat> and so now God's people begin to move. We know that uh, the children of Israel hindered in the wilderness for 40 years because they did not have something important, which was called faith. They lacked faith. And because they lacked faith, they were stuck for 40 years going around a mountain. There's a lot to be said about that, but I've only got so much time. <clears throat> but, but they got stuck 
in, in, in the same cycle, going around the mountain. And finally, the Joshua generation. Joshua is risen up, and he takes Moses' place, and, and they begin now to begin to take land. And so they, they begin to, to overcome the Amorites and the Amorite kings, and they go through the Red Sea, and the word is out. And so in Joshua chapter 2, we're going to read about Rahab real quick, because Rahab begins to hear, <laughs> she begins to hear something that affects her belief. She begins to hear about God's people. And in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly to Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house. For they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to, clo about to close, when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where they went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords and the gate was shut, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So Rahab, they found out that the men of Israel had come to Rahab's house. Now, notice Jericho was what's called a stronghold. Jericho was a fortified city. It said the walls were 12 feet thick. You could park your car on the walls, basically, the chariots on the wall. And so in order to get in this fortified city, you wonder how did God's people get in the city, first of all? Well, they went to the house of the prostitute. They knocked on the We're going to see Rahab. Oh, come right on in. So, so they go to Rahab's house, and they begin to talk to Rahab, and the king of Jericho finds out that the people that are taking land have already come to the city of Jericho, and they're ready to destroy Jericho as well. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. And so he wants them killed because he knows they're spying the land. And they come to Rahab, and Rahab says, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they came by, but I didn't know who they were. And, and they went that way. <laughs> and so we, we don't know nothing. And so the men go chasing him. And they in Rahab's roof. She hid them out. She hid them out. Verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up on the roof to them. So before the men began to lay down, they, the, other, the people of Jericho began to chase them. And now she goes up to talk to them on the roof. And it's pretty powerful what she says in verse 9. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were destroyed beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on the earth below. And so here we have a prostitute that then heard about God and heard about what God is doing with his people. And he said, we heard about what you've done. We heard about how you were in the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh's army. We heard about how you got our family members, the Amorites, and you killed Sihon and Og. He said, as soon as we heard it, everybody in our home, everybody in our whole city, everybody's heart melted. We all became afraid. He said, and as soon as we heard it, there was no spirit left in any of us. And she said, the reason is because I believe, I don't know what they believe, I believe that your God is the real God. I believe your God is the only God. I believe that he's the God in heaven and he's the God on the earth beneath. Thank you. Now, wait a minute. This is a prostitute talking about who God is. Oh, God. She is an outcast in society. 
But boy, it don't matter where you are when you learn to believe that God is real in the earth and on heaven. It don't matter what your background is, no matter where you come from. It don't matter what's been your prior life when you come to understand who God really is. And so here she is in that condition as a prostitute preaching like she know who Jesus is. I'm telling you, your God is the only God. He's the real God. He's the God in heaven and he's the God on the earth. And so I'm going to hide y'all because I believe in who he is. It says, then she says, please swear to me by the Lord as I have dealt kindly with you. Also, you will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign. That word kindly, which she says also deal kindly with us, it's from a powerful Hebrew word that has no one English word to define it. It's the word hesed, when it says kindly. The word hesed, it's a word that has so many, there's no English word that can define it. It's translated in the Bible, loving kindness. It's translated mercy. It's translated favor. It's translated like five different words. Uh, but what it really means is covenantal love. Covenantal love. And this covenantal love is what God obligates himself, when God obligates himself to people. God obligates himself to people. And so whenever you see the word hesed, it's because God said, now I'm obligating myself to you and I will cover you. That obligation we see when Moses, when God told Moses, when Moses, yeah, God told Moses that he was going to destroy the people of God and that he would, wanted to make Moses a great nation. And Moses by himself. And Moses said, God, please don't do that. Because if you do that, all the people of the land are going to say, you brought your people out of uh, 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 captivity. And now you're killing them after you brought them out of captivity. captivity, And that will make you look bad, God. He said, so God, don't do this. As a matter of fact, God, repent of this evil that you're doing. He said, God, repent. And guess what the Bible says? And God repented. Look it up for yourself, Exodus. It says God repented. God repented at the voice of a man. Whoa. Well, they were in a Hesed relationship. The Hesed relationship, God obligated himself to Moses because he knew Moses' heart. Moses was so concerned about God. He was more concerned about God than he was concerned about himself. If God said, Mike, I'm going to destroy all the churches in Las Vegas and make you a great nation, I'd be like, yeah, God, I think that's a good idea. I'm, I'm probably, no, no, no. Moses was like, no. He said, if you wipe them out, wipe me out. Because I want your great name to be glorified. And so because of that, God had that kind of relationship with him. And here is a prostitute asking to have that same kind of relationship. But guess what? God did not reject her because her heart was genuinely full of what we're talking about today, and that was faith. Because of the fact that she believed who God was because of despised. She heard about what God was doing, who God was, and because she felt that, sensed that, and had that in her heart, she says, listen, everybody here is scared. Everybody here knows that God is going to be with you. But they don't have the same conviction I have. I know that the God you serve is the only God in heaven and on the earth. But it was deeper than that for Rahab. Because when you have real faith, guess what else you have? You have real fear. Real faith produces real fear. Meaning that I'm afraid to do against God's word. I'm afraid to go against it. If I really believe God's word, if I mess up, I'm scared. Oh, God, Lord, I. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean. No, you're in fear because you know, you read about the, the earth swallowing people up. You read about lightning bolts striking the, the priests down. You read about what happens when people, you know, when, when they disobey God. Stuff happens to them. You got people you know something happened to. And so faith produces fear. And Rahab, <coughs> Rahab says everybody in our nation was fearing. Everybody was fearing, but nobody was turning to God. See, here's the thing, because Rahab recognized her condition. 
She knew she was a prostitute. She knew she was an outcast. She knew she had issues. She knew she was not looked upon favorably in the community, and she knew she needed a change. And so when she heard about the true and living God, she recognized that this God that was able to do anything could change her heart, change her life, bring her to a new relationship with the world and with him, first of all, because what you're going to find out is that real faith, the first fruit of real faith is causing you to believe that you're a sinner. The first work of the Holy Spirit is to convince you and convict you of sin. The first thing faith will do is like, you know what? I'm not right with God. Not like, oh, God will give me a new car. That's a problem. No, God will give me a new life first. And that's the most important thing, that I have a new life. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of that and will bring faith to that perspective because she knew who she was and she knew she needed that. So her faith drove her to repentance and recognized her need for God. And it found out that God received her. And so what we'll find, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase now. So they said, yes, we promise you that we will not kill you. When we come to town, we're going to destroy everybody else in the city except you and your family because of your faith, because you trusted, because you believed. We're going to spare your life and your family's life because of your faith. They said, but here's one thing. They said, there's going to be a little scarlet cord that we're going to look for. When we come there, we're going to look for this little red cord on your door. When we destroy the rest of the land, we need to make sure where your house is. And her house was marked by a red cord. Oh, God, how that prefigures Jesus Christ. Oh, God, why of all things they decide on a red cord to identify her house? So when they came in and destroyed everything else in the city, they found Rahab's house because she had a red cord on her door. It's something about when the blood of God is on the house. Oh God, he'll fly over. It's like on the day of the Passover. It said the death angel passed over the house where they saw the blood. And so because of her faith, she was brought into a favorable relationship with God, even though she was a prostitute. And that's amazing because when you think about it, all of us are Rahab in some way, shape, or form. All of us have things in our life. All of us have been places. All of us have things we wouldn't tell nobody we've done. Matter of fact, Anybody had a thought you wouldn't tell nobody about? Uh-huh. Raise your hand. You, you ever had a thought you wouldn't tell nobody about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us. And so we all can identify with her life. And sometimes people have been in situations, circumstances where they can't imagine their lives. Oh, God, they can't imagine coming out. Some people say, I can't believe God will receive me. Yeah, God will receive you right where you are. If you're still alive, there's a reason why you're still alive. If you're still here, there's a reason why you're still here. God is determined that he's going to bring you into his perfect relationship with him before you die. God wishes that none would perish, but that all will come to repentance, that all will come to faith, come to trust him for who he is so that he can give them a life, but not just a life, but a life that's abundant and a life worth living. I'm down to my last minute. So let me say it like this. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I got to go to Matthew 21 real quick. Matthew 21, verse 28. It says, and he answered and said, I will not, but afterwards he repented and went. I'm sorry, verse 28. But what think you? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go work in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he, and he came to the second, said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. He said, Whither them did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say to you, that the publicans and harlots go in the kingdom before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when you heard it, seen it, repented not afterwards that you might believe. <clears throat> so he said, wait a minute. Jesus speaks of a parable. And in his parable, he says, a father asked two of his sons to go. He asked the first son to go into the vineyard. The son said, no, I'm not going. But then he changed his mind and went. He said, but then there was a second son who he, he said, daddy, I'm going. But then he didn't go. He said, so which one of them did the will of his father? So obviously the answer is the first. But even though he said he wasn't going to go, he went anyway. And so what Jesus was really talking about, he was talking about the religious, you know, some people were really religious, 
real religious, real stiff neck, real, you know, I'm a holy woman of God, I'm a holy man of God, and I fast three times a week, and, and I give my tithes, and I'm just so holy. I'm just, I'm just God's gift to the world. I'm holy. <clears throat> and so the idea is that he said, now, now, you're talking like that, but John the Baptist came, and you said you believed in John the Baptist, but you wouldn't follow him. He says, and so now we're looking at those that have heard the word and believe it and are walking in it. He says, so no matter where you are, no matter how much you talk, it's really about what you do. It's really about how much faith you have. It's really about what you actually do. It's not about what you say. It's about what you actually do. He said, now, guess what, y'all uh, super holy folk? He says, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are going into the kingdom before you because when they hear the word, Oh, God, they believe it and take it. Sometimes the worst of the worst, they come to God, they come off the street, they come from the drug house, they come from the prostitute house, they come from being an alcoholic, they come to the church, and sometimes people look crazy at them, but they come all of a sudden and they're so broken and they're so happy just that they're still alive. And the fact that they have an opportunity to be able to be right with God, be made right with their family, they run to God and they give God their whole heart. And they, they, sometimes they take the word and receive it better than somebody who's been in church 20 years. He said, so now, because they were so messed up, because they recognized their condition, now they're going to get more from God than you've gotten all the time you've been around because they recognize their need for God. And when they recognize their need for God, they fully give their heart to God and they walk to God with everything they got. He said, so now they're getting saved and getting more from God than you ever got. They're going into the kingdom before you go because you're so religious and all they're doing is trying to find how to please God. The whole thing is, I want to find out how to please God. I don't care. I have nothing else to offer but my heart and my soul. I've been beat up by the world. I've been beat up by so many things. And now I have an opportunity to serve God. So Rahab was so excited about serving God. But look at her reward. I'm going to stop right here. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, <clears throat> it said, And Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed of Ruth. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up, hold up. Is that a prostitute in Jesus' bloodline? That's a prostitute in Jesus' bloodline. And so here we got somebody that was all messed up who's a prostitute, but because she came to faith in Jesus Christ, because she came to faith in God, now she's in Jesus' bloodline. She's right in the line of David. She's right in the line of Jesus Christ. She was a Gentile. She ain't supposed to be in there. She was a prostitute. She wasn't supposed to be there, but she had something that God looked for, and that was faith. She was able to trust God, and because she was able to trust God, God broke the protocol. That all I need is faith. And here she is. She gets, she marries Boaz. We know that he was, oh, I'm sorry, she married Salmon. Wait a minute, who was Salmon? Salmon was one of the spies that came to the house. One of the two spies that came, he came to the house doing for God's will, but he was like, ooh, I might have to come back. <laughs> so eventually, after they did God's business, he said, I'm going back to that house to see that girl Rahab, and he wound up marrying her, and Salmon became the father of Boaz. Boaz became the father of Ruth. Ruth, I mean, he married Ruth, and Boaz became the father of Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of David. And out of David comes Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we got a prostitute in the line of the Messiah because of her faith in who God was. God bless you, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Whenever I think about that, that a prostitute is in the bloodline of the Messiah. That gives me hope. That ought to give you hope that no matter where you are today, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're coming from, it don't matter if you have faith. Because when she lied, she lied about the spies. But God didn't even count her lie against her because she had something to offset the lie called faith. You know, she didn't know any better. She was trying to save her own life. And she knew that only God could save her life. And so she grew more. She began to understand the Hebrew scrolls and began to walk with God and became stronger in her faith.
And so today we have that opportunity. I want everybody just to bow your head for a second. Just for a second here. There's, all of us have been in situations and circumstances in our life that we're not proud of, we've done wrong. The Bible said all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned to come short of God's glory. But God doesn't judge us, hallelujah, by our failures. He judges us by our relationship with his son. He judges us based on our faith in Jesus Christ. Why is it we've had so many different times that God has shown mercy on us? God has shown mercy on me more than 100 times. I messed up and he kept showing, kept showing mercy. Kept messed up, showed mercy to a certain point, and then finally I got strong enough where, Lord, thank you for not helping me walk in willful sin any longer. But he, he's building us. He's taking us to a place that we can't go on our own. We, we can't make it into the kingdom on our own. God has to offer the kingdom to us. And that kingdom is only offered to those that have faith, those that really trust in who God is, not trusting in their self, not trusting in their connections, not trusting in their education, not trusting in the vocation or the business, but they're trusting in Jesus Christ who gave them the business, who gave them the education, who gave them the connections. The Bible said the king's heart is in God's hand. He turned it with us whatever way that he will. And so that's today, God is calling someone. He's calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's calling you out of a life of self-aggrandizement to a life totally committed to him. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things he'll just give to you. If you put him first... He says, I'll take care of all your needs. He says, look at Solomon in all of his glory. He said, look at the lily of the field. The lily of the field looks greater, much greater than Solomon, and that lily don't even have a job. The birds, they eat every day and don't have no job either. But I take care of the birds. He said, aren't you worth more than a bird? Oh, ye of little faith. If I take care of the birds, don't you believe I'll take care of you? Every need that you have, I can take care of. But I need you to come to a place of trusting me and stop trusting yourself. Stop trusting yourself. Stop trusting your connection. Stop trusting your own provision. Trust me. Because you can spend your whole life seeking after things as opposed to seeking after God. And then you seek after those things and you get them and then you die. He said, now who's going to enjoy all that stuff you worked for? Who's going to enjoy all that you gave your life to? Now you're gone. Your insurance is going to be left in somebody else's hand. They're going to enjoy your stuff. Why don't you come to me? Come to faith in me. Come to trust me. And let me take care of your life for you. Let me handle your life. And you handle the work that I have purpose for you. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? I believe that God is calling me. I believe God is calling me to a faith relationship with him. I'm just to raise your hand. Just, just lift your hand. I believe he's calling me to a faith relationship. I want you all over the building. Lift your hand. There we go. Amen. Come on. Lift your hand. You say, I believe God is calling me to a faith relationship with him. <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I, I, he's calling. He's calling. He's calling. He's knocking on your door. Lift your hand. You believe he's calling you to a faith relationship. I trust him with my whole life. I trust him with my heart. If you said, you know what, I done done some crazy thing that I don't believe God would accept me, look at Rahab. He'll accept you right now. Raise your hand and say, I want, that. I want to be accepted by God right now. I want, I, want, I want God's life. I want the life of God in my life. I want his life in my life. He said, because I came not just to give you just life that you know. He said, but a life more abundant. That word is called zoe in the Greek, and that means the life of God. I can live the life of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God is calling. God's 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 calling. God is calling. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling right now. I feel him calling. 
deep. It's calling unto deep. Come unto me from the depths of who you are. And let me show you what life really is about. It's all about faith. It's all about trust. And I'll accept you just like you are. Hallelujah. 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 And I'm going to do another call right now. And those that have your hand lifted, I want you to just sit there for one second. I might have you do something in just a moment. Those that had your hand lifted. Once we come to faith, there's, the scripture says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Meaning that there's a faith I come into the kingdom of God with. There's a faith I grow to that I will end in. And that means faith has to grow. Peter said grow in grace. We have access to grace by faith. And so our faith has to grow. But unfortunately, faith that grows only grows one way. And that growth is through trouble. It's through pain. It's through suffering. Because God is testing you to see whether you're trusting him or not. Or whether you're still trusting the bank or trusting your other things. But are you trusting him that he's going to fix your situation? Your financial picture, is he really going to fix it or am I going to see disaster? Is he going to open the doors that I need open? Is he going to come through like he says he's going to come through? So he's testing your faith to see whether or not you're trusting him or not. Glory to God. Because he said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And faith has to grow. Faith has to develop. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so God is trust testing you to see where your trust is. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If there's a trust, a situation right now where you're being tested, your faith is being tested, I want you to raise your hand. Just lift your hand for a moment. Faith, your faith is being tested. That right now I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I know God's with me, but there's some stuff going on right now that I'm just not sure. And if you can be honest with it, God will touch you today. He will touch you today. That I, I'm just not sure how this is going to turn out. If you can be honest with it, God can come to your rescue. Because he wants to rescue you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, come it all joy when you enter into diverse temptation. In other words, when everything goes wrong at the same time, when more than one thing happens at the same time, it goes bad at the same time. It garnish my wages. I lose my job. I lose my car. I'm in foreclosure. My child gets arrested. All kinds of stuff happens all at once. I get sick and they give me bad news. He said, you ought to thank God when those times come because God is going to show you who he really is. He's going to show you who he really is. Ah, hallelujah. When it looks like it's totally out of control, God says, I got it under control. But I need you to trust me so I can show you what I can do. You have to. So he said, count it all joy. With the trying of your faith, because it works patience. And with patience complete, you shall be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Thank you, Jesus. And so right now, God wants to touch everyone who had their hand raised. And so if you can, if you will, <clears throat> if you raise your hand and say you want to come to faith, I want you to come. The people here are going to pray for you. I want you to come down. If you raised your hand, I want you to come down right now. If you had your hand raised, come. Please come to the front. We got some here that are going to pray for you. If you raise your hand, either for salvation or for your faith to be touched, come on. If you had your hand up for faith to be touched, come, we want to pray for your faith. If you came, if you raised your hand for salvation, we want you to come. If you came for, if you said, I, I want God to touch my faith, I want you to come. Come, we're going to pray. And we believe the Holy Spirit is going to move on your behalf. We believe the Holy Spirit is going to work on your heart, in your heart, through your heart. Because God is ultimately concerned about faith to be saved. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and their faith that will develop. Hallelujah. 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 I'm telling you, there's power at this altar. You know what? The Bible says that God giveth more grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that word grace is favor. God favors those that will be humble. His grace is his divine influence on the heart. It's reflection in life. It's God's strength. And he gives that strength. 
he gives that strength to those that will humble themselves. And, and, and so don't be intimidated because what God is going to give you when you come to this altar will outweigh every situation, every proud circumstance that holds you back. And so, Father, we thank you right now. We, we praise your holy and your righteous name. We thank you for faith, the faith that has come today, faith that has touched the hearts of your people, faith that is opening our understanding, faith that's opening our eyes, faith that's taking us to new places, faith that's opening us up to a new horizon of understanding of who you are. Oh God, faith that you even allowed a prostitute to be in the line of the Holy Messiah. You took him from being a hooker to being holy. And God, we thank you for that, that God, we have hope in our life that no matter where we are, if we just believe the Word of God and believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God, we too can be of a royal lineage. Oh, God, we can bleed in Jesus' bloodline. And so, God, we pray today for your anointing, your presence to be with us, that everyone that's come, oh, God, here to this altar will have their needs met. The greatest need is for salvation. The greatest need is to be saved, to give our life to Christ and secure our eternal destiny, to secure our eternal destiny, secure heaven as our home. That's first and foremost. But God, many of us, we need strength to get through this life. We need strength to deal with the troubles, the powers and, uh, that work against us, uh, the flesh, the mind. Oh God, the devil and his imps and, and all the evil in this world is fighting against us. Oh God, but we know that, that faith Oh, God, give us the power to stand. And so we're praying today, God, that faith in this room would carry forth into everyone's heart, that even those that did not come up, that when they walk out of the store, they'll be equipped with a new level of faith because they've heard the preached word of God. And so, God, we're praying for strength at a new level. We're praying for strength and faith at a new level. And we're asking for those souls that have come, that, God, they will never be the same. And everyone that's heard this word today, would never be the same. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.